Hey, welcome into the Coach Bo Knows podcast here on the Studio Soapbox Network. I'm Coach Bo, Brian O'Connor. We're recorded live at the O'Connor Advisory Group Studios. Check out all things O'Connor Advisory Group at OAGKS.com. You can interact with the show on Twitter and Instagram at, at Coach Bono's Show. Check out the Facebook page, search for Coach Bono's Show, and you can email us anytime at Coach Bono's Show at gmail.com. This is episode 64. And joining us today, coming in to review all the Week 10 action in the NFL, is our most popular returning contributor. Ladies, if you're in the greater Denver area, you place out some Titleist Pro V1 golf balls and he will magically appear. He's a man of style, sophistication, and he remains undefeated against home pregnancy tests with a record of 53-0-1. He's the real reason Sierra moved to Denver. Check out his new book, Russ May Cook, But I Can Eat, available now on Amazon. His mother named him Ricardo. Right here, we call him Uncle Rico, my main man, Ricardo Gervolini. Ricardo, what's going on, brother? Oh, it's it's middle of the season. I'm excited, and yet this is that time of year where things start to unveil themselves. I'm, I'm excited yeah. to see. To, I'm, we got some stuff to talk about. Yeah, you know, this is the time of the season now where we're, we know who's good and we know who's not. It's sort of like a... a a naughty or nice list for Santa Claus. We know who's naughty. We know who's nice. Now it's just trying to figure out who's going to be left at the end here in, after the next seven weeks of the season. So um, interesting stuff happened this past week. Let's review some of the action. Before we do that, though, I want to remind our listeners that Uncle Rico's appearance, as always, is brought to us by Stitch Fix. Get $25 off your first box of Stitch Fix. Check out the link in the show notes. Follow the link and save today. We really appreciate it. We thank them for sponsoring Uncle Rico's segment. Hey, um, all right. Tell me the first thing that stood out to you about this weekend's games in the NFL. All right, we've had, only because we just talked, you reminded me of it. I don't want to let this one go because it, it irks me to no end, is Marcus Mariota. Okay. We're, we're Rolling go on the first. damn I, I want right, to go there first because it's fresh on my mind. Let's just talk to quarterbacks and get it out of the way because here on this podcast, you are a, a defender of Jimmy Garoppolo. I hate Jimmy Garoppolo. I, in turn, defend Marcus Mariota, who you don't care for. I've always said my biggest problem with Jimmy Garoppolo is that he's not a good quarterback. He's someone that you have to put all the pieces around because – He's not good enough to win. Now, Marcus Mariota, I have said that I like what Marcus Mariota can do in a certain offense, which the Falcons have done really well with this season. But even I cannot defend Marcus Mariota's performance against the Panthers. Even I cannot defend last Thursday's game. I, he was bad. And it's a lot of this, they got away from what they do. They got behind. They had to throw the ball, and one point I will absolutely concede on Marcus Mariota. He's not a passing quarterback. He's a, an effective quarterback in the run game, in the run game alone. And he was horrible in, on Thursday night. He was – he's the reason they lost the game, plain and simple. He threw, what, was it three picks in that game? One of them, which I know you want to give me shit about, because I give you shit on the yeah. Garoppolo blindfold interception. Marcus Mariota threw a pick this past week where he was 
on the ground, with his back on the way to the ground, with his back to the offense, and flings it. Or so. I don't even remember how exactly it went down. He, he did a full. He he fell to the ground, did a full roll on the ground, and let one fly from his back. Yeah. 20, 20 yards in the air, ten yards forward. I, I, you have repeatedly brought up Garoppolo and how he blinked once, and they caught it on camera as he was throwing. He blinked. This guy's he on the ground, rolling, threw it blindly into the air, and you and I both feel the same way about Kirk Cousins. And Kirk Cousins did something even worse as well this week. He's he, they're in the red zone. He's throwing to the end zone, and he's looking at the other end zone when he releases the ball. It yeah, drew. I couldn't believe it. I couldn't believe it. between those two things. I I saw the one on Thursday for Mariota, and then I saw uh, Kirk Cousins do it on Sunday, and I'm just sitting there, and I was like, "And he's giving me shit about Jimmy Garoppolo blinking during a pass." Well, first was, off, Jimmy Garoppolo was not blinking not... the ball. <laughs> that was not blinking. That was closing his eyes in the Super Bowl and throwing the football. Okay, um, so it, in defense, at least he was facing the quarterback. His face was actually facing the or not the, quarterback, the, the, the wide receiver. He was facing forward and standing upright. That's something that Absolutely. neither of these guys did. I'll give you credit for the least in Garoppolo's case. When he was blindfolded, couldn't. he threw it toward the correct end zone. Yeah. Um, oh, I. Yeah. Did it, you watch that, that, was that a, whole? This was, did you watch the Sunday night game, the 49ers and the Chargers? I did. I did. I, I, it was not that interesting a game, but the reality is is that they didn't need to be. They, so, the, San Francisco is a run first team. Let's be honest, yeah, and absolutely. that's that's how they won. Mm-hmm. They won on the ground. There's nothing special. They ran up the gut. They dumped outside. They threw. It's not like he didn't throw. He still threw for 240 yards, but yeah. it's a run first game. And so it wasn't that as interesting a Sunday night game as we've seen. The past. It wasn't a shootout. Part of that is the Chargers weren't the you know didn't don't really have an explosive offense this year either. So you know they were in it, but they it was pretty normal, boring game. It wasn't yeah. anything exciting. Yeah, the, the Chargers should be better than they are. They've just been riddled with injuries, and and they had True. the lead. It was funny because on the NBC pregame show, literally everyone picked the 49ers. And and the 49ers are finally at full strength. They're getting everybody back. They got they got they got Trent Williams back. Like it's just amazing. Uh, Elijah Mitchell is back, so they have yes. a one-two running back punch. Yeah, and and they have the best left tackle in football. Uh, he's just Trent Williams is just incredible. He might be the best I've ever seen. He is on par with the. Tony Baselli, Larry Allen. I mean, he's in that argument to me. Um, yeah. and, and the way the Fort Ayers used him, there was a play in the first half they ran late in the first half where they pulled him and they had him lead blocking. And I was like, oh, holy shit. I would hate. And then he blocks a linebacker and a safety. And I was like, I'd hate yeah. to be either of them. I mean, if you're a linebacker looking around the corner and you're thinking, oh, I'm coming in and fill this hole. And you're gonna fill the hole. You think Christian McCaffrey's coming at you? Okay, you know you got some impact, but no, no, no. Here comes Trent Williams's refrigerator size ass. I mean, this motherfucker's <laughs> as big as a Coke yeah. machine. I mean, he's like someone took a soda machine and ran it through the hole. 
he doesn't lose his balance. He's tremendous with his hands, and he just barrels people. And next thing you know, the running back just follows him for 20 yards. The one I saw was with um, was with Elijah Mitchell, and Williams hits the linebacker and moves the linebacker into the safety. Had Mitchell cut yeah. right behind Williams. He goes for a touchdown. He cut left instead, and the backside safety got him. And I was like, oh, you idiot. Just follow. You see this big motherfucker in front of you. Just follow him. If he I can't goes even right, begin to explain how many times. Right. How many times have you watched a replay and, and saw the running back said, why don't you follow your lead blocker? Oh, Just God. follow the lead blocker. And if that's my lead blocker, I would – I'd let him block a tank. I – you can put a <laughs> you can put a jeep out there. Trent Williams is going to tip it over. Uh, just oh, but oh, that yeah. was yeah. So I watched that game. I watched the whole first half, and I was surprised the Chargers got out ahead of them quick. Uh, Herbert played great in the beginning of the game, and and Garoppolo wasn't bad. Um, the defense wasn't helping them out early, and not early. No. Run, and in the second they half, the run out. game just got going. Like you said earlier, they're a run first team. You know, my theory on that is they're run first because of Garoppolo, but it, it works. It does work. That's why they're one of the favorites now in the NFC, even though they do have four losses, they're still a team that they're a matchup nightmare. Oh yeah. Yeah. They, they, the nature of the game, you don't want to face right now. You know, well, the nature of the game right is, they can shorten the game because they run the ball real well, real well. And you're not going to score a lot of points against them. Their defense is excellent. It's a very old school kind of feel. I guess if you've got Jimmy Garoppolo, this is the best thing I can say about him is he's an old school guy in that he's not going to make a lot of mistakes. You just can't trust him to go get you the game winning touchdown. But if you play like yeah, the 49ers he, he, do, you're not going to be in that situation. You don't have to. Yeah. yeah. And that, I and agree. I completely about. agree. Yeah. That, that, and that with the two-headed monster, they have a running back. Yeah. With CMC yeah. and Elijah Mitchell at running back now. There's an interesting video I saw earlier today. It was, uh, it's on, it was from ESPN. I think it was Dan Orlovsky and Mina Kimes were talking about it. And they were talking about the, the, the change in the game towards the running game. And they gave, threw out some league-wide numbers, which is very interesting. Mm-hmm. League-wide, this year, the average per pass is a le- for, the, for the whole league, all quarterbacks, all teams, is 11 yards per throw. That's the lowest in the NFL since 1933. And that's very interesting stat when you start looking at how pass and quarterback-centric the game has become over the last, over the last decade or so, especially right now when we start talking about Josh Allen, Patrick Mahomes, Lamar Jack, you know, these guys. But they're, you know, the, uh, the, the league-wide average for a pass is 11 yards at the lowest since 33. Consequently, the running average is four and a half. It's the highest I think it's ever been in the NFL for run game. So there's a, you're, you're seeing an interesting dynamic in a, in a quarterback pass-happy offense where running game is higher and your pass distances are lower league-wide. That doesn't surprise me when you look at We've talked a lot about a lot about this this season. What have we said that yes. successful teams do? They run the football. Run. And 
you, we, and we said it, I think it was either two weeks ago or last week when you and I were talking, I said, if you don't have that dude, and we came down to where it was two, there was two of that dude, and that was Patrick Mahomes and Josh Allen. If you didn't have those two, the run game has to be a priority. And yeah, there's just the price because I think that teams are figuring out we might have a franchise quarterback, but we don't have that dude. No one's got Peyton Manning. No one's got Tom Brady. I mean, Tom, the Bucks have Tom Brady. You know what I mean? I mean, like, <laughs> I know what but, you mean. In fairness, I mean, I mean, though, like he had a good time, Tom Brady. You know, the Tom Brady that got Randy Moss 2,000 yards. Uh, well, I'm 16 you know, and one. Yes. Yeah. Or 18 and one, yeah. And one. <laughs> he only lost one, but he lost to the Super Bowl. He lost to the, Super Bowl. the regular season was, but yeah. We talked so much about that, and we're like, hey, and it's, but the two guys that we said are the exceptions to that rule are Patrick Mahomes and Josh Allen. Yep. And even they yeah. have to have some semblance of a run game. Look at Buffalo's game this past week. I mean, it, they should have they should have won that game, and a lot of it was they didn't run the ball well. They didn't run the ball well, and there's been a lot of conversation around Josh Allen and his decision making in the red zone. Yeah, uh, an issue he has yes. had in the past reared its head this week. I don't expect it to last. Yeah. I don't think it's. It, I think it's, it's a flash really happened, pass thing. They correct really quick. It's really happened two weeks in a row. He's had three interceptions in the red zone in two weeks. He had two this past week. Yeah, and then the fumble in his own end zone. Let's talk about that game for a minute. Yeah, that I think the Viking. We we talked last week. We've kind of previewed this coming week, and we said the the best game this week was going to be Vikings and Buffalo, and we were right. Oh, by far, by far. Yeah, we were, and we were right because well, we're usually right. Um, (laughs) (laughs) But hey, Minnesota came to play in that game. And did everything they could. And I think that we both believe they have one deficiency. Kirk Cousins. It's Kirk Cousins. It's Kirk Cousins. We it's both Kirk agree Cousins. on this. This is we disagree on Mariota and Garoppolo. I, we we agree on Kirk Cousins. And I don't and don't yeah. get me wrong, he's an athlete. He's not a bad quarterback, but he's not that dude. And he's, he's not, not I, I don't believe they can win a Super Bowl. They can get to the playoffs. They're good. It's a good team. You got Cook and and Jefferson. You got the weapons there for sure. But I don't have like you don't believe in Garoppolo. I don't believe in Kirk Cousins. We neither of us believe in Kirk Cousins. Cousins. I don't think he's a bad guy. I actually think he's a good guy. But as a quarterback, they didn't win a Super Bowl. I don't see that with him. And this week is why the things he yeah, did this I- week were not great. Um. And, you know, it, honestly, down all the way to that goal line in overtime, credit to the Bills' defense for stopping him oh, on a one-inch. The, the defense, the D-line for the Bills on that last possession, uh, Vikings get helped out with a penalty. That keeps them in. That keeps them out of a big old third and long. Then they get yeah. down. They make a great tackle to get, the, get them down at the five after Jefferson makes an incredible play. Um, and then – You've got four downs, and Minnesota could not put it in the end zone. And the last two were at the goal line, 
I mean, it was unbelievable. Like, how do you not just give the ball to Dalvin Cook twice? That's I couldn't understand because for some reason they thought Kirk Cousins could run like Josh Allen, and nobody, no quarterback can do that. Maybe Lamar Jackson. Oh well, Maybe. they're different kind of runners, I think. But I agree with what you're saying. I agree with what you're saying. Um, the difference I think there is, well, I wouldn't mind have Josh Allen. He's just so hard to take down. I yeah. mean, he's just so That's strong. Yeah, knowing but, what happened, yeah. he could hold on to the ball. <laughs> it looks like Minnesota's going to lose the game, and then the most unbelievable thing. I was one of my best friends, Barry Kingery, that is my is a big Vikings fan, and I texted him at the end of the game, near the end of the game, and I was like, "Man, I thought you guys had it." He goes, "I did too." And right then is the fumble. For those who don't know, so after a fourth goal goal line stand, Buffalo gets the ball back inside the one-yard line. First play makes a lot of sense. You just take Josh Allen, you run him right behind the center, and you try to get a couple of yards to get some space. And unfortunately, the snap and and, and he couldn't hold on to the snap. Ball comes out. The Vikings recover for a touchdown, sends the game to overtime. The, what all transpired in this game? I mean, between the missed extra point to the, the oh. goal line stand to um, the fumble in the end zone. Like, that's the thing that, like, when you're, like, a high school coach, you know what you'd have considered doing? You'd have considered putting the quarterback in the Take shotgun the and taking a safety. And yeah. say, hey, they said after the fact, yeah, I'll play defense for 30 seconds over 70 yards that way. <laughs> so, my guy, my, my guy, BK, he texts me up and he's like, dude, why think I took safety? They were up three. No, and, and here's, 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 I would count that one, you know, you're not going to take the safety because yeah. it's, 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 you're giving them the ball with time with not much, but you're still giving them the ball. The other yeah. side of that is, I disagree. I don't. I would not have done it with Josh Allen. Yeah, I would have handed it off to the back. Well, if he if he doesn't if he gets the safety, you get the safety. But if he gets you a yard, then you have a yard to take a knee. Don't yeah. put it like Josh Allen. And and I'll put I'll put this out there. I don't think he should have played this week. With the UCL lingering there, I understand what they're going for because it's Minnesota. And you know they're it's they're they're sitting there kind of you know had they had some problems the week before. I get what they're going for, but personally, I say sit Allen one week. I know it's Minnesota. I know they're six and one. You know they're you know that this is happening, but I don't. I say don't play him. Yeah. But if you're in that situation, I'm not sneaking him. I'm giving it to the back. If the back gets beat, you get the safety. Yeah. If he gets you a yard or two. Now you have enough room to take a knee. Yeah. That's well, all you need. And it's I, open. I don't disagree. And I'm not sure that I would have taken safety either because I have Josh Allen. I, I just, I, I, I've said last week, and I was about to say it again this week we, when we kind of zoomed off it, was I think next to Derrick Henry, Josh Allen's the hardest guy in the league to take down. He's just so big and so strong. And I was like, well, yeah, I go ahead and let Josh Allen push it for a yard. Because you also have the thing where you can run out the clock. 
if you yes. take the safety, and that was the whole idea. Yeah, you take the safety. You still got to play defense for probably twenty five seconds. You never know what happens. And God, we've seen as a Saints fan. I know that Minnesota gets some strange shit happening late in games. So I understand the thinking there. But I the other side of that argument, and I have to say this out loud because I have lamented about how much Lamar Jackson runs and his health throughout the season. Yeah. It's the same thing with Josh. I get he can. That doesn't mean you should. He's already got this UCL. You're risking injury yeah. of another kind in adult. You know, he's getting into a, a, a dog pile on the end zone under guys that are 300 plus. I don't care if it's his finger or his knee. It's not worth the risk. You don't need to do it. I see that point. If he's escaping, I, 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 I get it. But this is not a point to, to take that risk. Yeah, I agree with you on that, too. I think it's a, that is a good, smart thinking. And if you look at the Josh Allen thing, um, you know, you argued earlier he shouldn't have even played in the game. You can tell that Buffalo was worried about this game because he did play. Having lost the week before to the Jets, Buffalo knew if they lost again, they lose the number one seed, or at least the road to the number one seed. And, and that's where it's at now. I mean, you look at it right now in the AFC. Um, let me see. Those they fell Kansas straight City down to six as of right now. Yeah. As of right now. Again, there's a little difference here because Buffalo has had a bye and Miami hasn't. So right now, it's the Chiefs are back to number one at seven and two. The Dolphins are seven and three. Then you have the Titans and the Ravens both at six and three, and the Jets at six and three. So Buffalo effectively went from the number one seed to the number six seed by losing that game. There's still some football yeah. to play, and, you, and you're only separated by one game. So we've still got a long way to go in this. And there's going to be a lot of movement in there. But I think that played a part in it, too. I think that was a big reason yeah. why he played in that game and why they did everything they could to win that game. They didn't want to lose two games in a row and then be a game behind Kansas City. It was already bad enough that. that they were tied with them last week because they had the tiebreaker at least, having beaten them. But now yeah. they a game behind. Now they got to have somebody beat the Chiefs. Here's, here's the other perspective why I would have rested him um, because – of what's happening in the next week. So they, they have the Browns on Sunday. Then mm -hmm. they play again on Thanksgiving on Thursday. Yeah. Very you true. got two games, two more games in the next seven days. And are, are you know, within seven days of each other after this, uh, this last Sunday. Yeah. That, and he's had no rest. Yeah. And with an injury and with this risk, I, I don't see the benefit. I get it. But you played him, you lost. You're in that situation anyway, and now he's not, you know, you, he's questionable as a 100% as a quarterback. That's, that's my argument against it. And obviously that's after the fact, but I, I thought that before. I was like, we're halfway through the season. There's still plenty of football left this year. Don't risk yeah. it. It's not worth it. Yeah, I don't disagree with you. I think that's a good thought, too. You're talking about they have, you know, two games in what, 11 days. And so you you yeah. figure you're playing three games in 14 days. And that's yeah, that's tough. I mean that's that's rough. I mean, granted, well, if it were Mark, if it were Mariota, I'd say throw him out there. Who gives a shit? But I mean, this is Josh Allen. <laughs> I had to do it. I had to do it. <laughs> hey, so I'll go back real quick. I got to tell you this quick story from the Falcons game. 
So Thursday, yeah. last Thursday, we're watching, I'm watching the Falcons game. I had just had dinner with the wife and the kiddo. We're at the house. Went out in the man cave. You know, you've been to my house. I'm in the basement. I'm watching football on my, my big TV. And Jen came down for a bit. She's sitting with me. Falcons make a really good defensive play. And go, there we go. All right. Well, I had bet on the Falcons to win. I had taken the Falcons, laid like, I think it was three or four points. So sports yeah. gambling got me rooting for the Falcons. Jen looked at me and had his look on her face. And she goes, you realize what you are doing? And I went, what? And she goes, you're rooting for the Falcons. And I was like, oh, my God. <laughs> I'm rooting for the Falcons. I'm a Saints fan. We can't do that. Oh, my God. Oh, what was I thinking? I was thinking with my pocket, with my money and not my brains. Oh, my God. You were thinking parlay. I was parlay. thinking parlay. I was thinking how bad have the Panthers been and the Falcons are going there in a, in a rainstorm and run the football the whole time. So that's what I was thinking. And that is not what happened. But, <laughs> but <laughs> oh, my God, not only did I lose the bet, but I was actually had to openly root for the Atlanta Falcons. Now, that is the equivalent for those that don't know. If you're a Kansas City Chiefs fan, that is like openly rooting for the Raiders or the Broncos. Uh, it's yeah. that is our biggest rival as the Saints, and I should have known better, and I should have not placed a bet on that game. Horrible. But I, I didn't even what, think of it. What did they that say? Way. Don't Still bet. Jen said something. Bet with your head, not with your heart. It. And you know what's you know what's wonderful about that though? That's how you know your wife has your back. She knows me <laughs> so well. She knows my oh, hatred yeah. of the Atlanta Falcons. She knows that, you know, the Falcons, the Yankees, Notre Dame, those are my three teams that I, I despise those three teams. And she's like, something's wrong if you're rooting for them. Now, I did find myself rooting for Notre Dame two weeks ago when they played Clemson. Oh, because so, they were playing Clemson. But, I, but that was Clemson, and Clemson is slowly becoming my least favorite team in college football. But we're not going to go there today. Um the other games this past week, other things we want to chat on. Monday night, we got hit in the mouth with a surprise. The Commandos. The Commandos came out and dominated the Eagles. I actually like Commandos better. Yeah. That's actually a better name. It is a better name. Um, Washington came out and, and punched the Eagles straight in the mouth in the first half. Ended up having a lead at halftime. and. Taylor Heineke looked great, and, and the Commandos went out there and took it to the Eagles and won the game. And it was 32-21. There was the late touchdown, which I'm not counting because it was just bullshit how that happened. But um, it, it, the Eagles did not the, – the last touchdown was a fumble recovery that was one yard. It was the Eagles fumble in the last play. The, the but, last touchdown doesn't count. It was bullshit. Yeah, it does. But Here's – they did get punched in the mouth. I will say absolutely got punched in the mouth. I will say this uh, personally. I gotta take that with a grain of salt because it. I've only seen a couple of calls that were worse misses. Your Saints have had a couple of those in the yep. playoffs, big time 
huge, egregious bad call, missed calls by the refs. That face mask driving into the ground tackle was horrifically missed. That is that that to me is as bad as a that the uh, was I trying to remember who what the receiver is for the Saints on the three yard line getting blindsided as the ball is arriving before it gets there and a no call on pass. This is that bad because it pull he pulls the helmet down, drives him into the ground, and you wonder how the ball got coughed up. This thing is awful. Absolutely, like, there's whoever the. When it when it's this bad, you got to go to that ref and say you're done. You don't ref anymore. You no longer work as a as, a, as a, on NFL games ever again. You cannot miss them this bad. Well, and I don't think that can't. was even the only bad call late in that game. The Eagles, no, it wasn't. But that's the worst one. That was the worst. Within late in the game, the last possession, the Eagles have got the commando stopped. It's going to be fourth down. Oh yeah. And oh yeah. Uh, Heineken gives himself up, but as he gives himself up, two guys slide into him, and one trying to get up as he's sliding, pulls yeah. over him, and they call a 15-yard yeah. penalty. But no, <laughs> no. He's trying to get up. He's trying yeah. not to get him. Yeah, it, here's the thing. Here's, it's, it's, this, is, this, is, this is a terrible call, but it's the right call. This it is Heineke. Any- playing the rules against the ref. Yeah, it was because if you look at him, he doesn't slide. He's not down on two knees. You see, we've all seen when the quarterback goes down, what it looks like. This was meant to look less like a normal down to entice it. He, and he timed it perfectly. He timed it. He knew exactly what he was doing. He knew what he was going for. They, he did it on purpose. Make no mistake about that. He baited them. He got them. He got the penalty. It's what he wanted because he knew they didn't have it. It was the only way it was going to do is for him to go down and get hit, and there'll be a penalty, automatic first down. He I'm played not even the sure. I'm not even sure he was trying to draw a penalty. I, it was oh, clear I think he, he I was absolutely rolling out. Think he was rolling out, and he looked and said, shit, I am not completing a pass here. He awkwardly goes down because he's thinking, I'd rather take the loss of the yardage than throw an interception or an incomplete pass that stops the clock. Uh, But see, that's the thing. It's not an awkward down. If he wanted to go down, you go fetal, you fall to the ground, you're on your, you know, you're on your side, you're on your back. He's on one knee with the other knee extended back and he's still upright. On one I knee, it was a really it's a weird ball. little position that it's a trick of the mind that says, "Oh no, he's still up. He's not down, but he actually is by rule." And he gets he, hit, and he gets the penalty. They, he did this on purpose. I'm not saying that was the play call. I'm saying that was <laughs> the oh, I don't have anything. I'm going to go to my emergency break glass in case of and see if I can't get this penalty because he didn't have it want, downfield. It was a I busted play. I just watched the play again. I'm going to describe this. So. And technically, he is down, but it's in a way that is unusual for a quarterback who's trying to go down and you know protect himself. Because he's yeah, so not he's protecting himself. Right. He's running to his right. He then pivots to his left. He stumbles, and he realizes, oh, shit, I'm going down. 
I'm just going to go down. And when he does, I got it pulled up here. When he does. Still upright. He has a guy on his legs as he's going down. And then another defender who is coming in who puts yeah, his hands it was up. On the, other, on the far side, yeah. And goes down to his knees as he's going in with his hands up and bumps him. He bumps Heineke. He's really bumping him because he's on his knees. I'm looking at it right here. He's oh, yeah, trying no, to it. get up, it. and he knocks Heineke over, but he's getting up from Doesn't his knees. Doesn't matter. I know. I get, I, I get it. I get it. But you saw the thing is, the, the thing that's the tell, the automatic tell is as soon as the whistle blows, he doesn't even see the flag. He knows he's got this penalty. He's up and jumping like, yes, I've got this. That well, was see. his in case of break yeah. glass. I'm going to see if I can get him to do he it. And he had, did it. He knew and he, when he, he got, got in contact, he got the penalty. Yeah. Oh, yeah. He yeah, knew that's why he did it. And he I knew that's that. why he did it. We've complained about all season about how you, where do you actually hit a quarterback? You, there's, there's nowhere well, to hit him. You hit him too high, well, you get it, a penalty. You hit him too <laughs> low, you get a penalty. You take him down, you get a penalty. I, I think you have to tuck them in the bed. Like you have to put them on the ground, tuck them in, and read them a bed. Sure they their and if you do that, then you don't get a penalty. Yeah. If it's Tom Brady, you have to tuck him in and you have to give him a bottle. No, 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 no. It, he he requires spooning. Oh, yeah, maybe. Yeah, he requires, maybe if you're going to slide into him, so long as he slide into a, a spooning position with an arm draped over, it's okay. Otherwise, it's a penalty. He likes to be All a right. little spoon. Another game I want to talk about, <laughs> a game that, I don't know what the hell about. I don't know about either of these two teams right now. I want to think that Dallas is good. But Mike McCarthy did the best job he's ever done at helping Green Bay win a football game. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Mike McCarthy is now the coach of the Dallas Cowboys. Um, <laughs> he never coached. He Mike never McCarthy is the best Green, Green Bay, Bay coach they've ever had. <laughs> uh, never helped his Green Bay Packer team win a game. Well, boy, when he brings the Cowboys in, he can coach the Packers great. Um, Packers went in overtime 31-28 in a game that I can't call anything but Mike McCarthy can't coach. We've talked about this for not, not one, not two, forever. We have not – neither of us agree that Mike McCarthy should be a head coach right now. I don't believe he's a worthwhile coach to have. I, we believe all last year we agreed he cost them games again and again all of last year as a coach, and he's doing it again this year. He did it just this past week with, with uh, Green Bay. And I don't – you know, I know people say, oh, it's Aaron Rodgers. He looked great. He had, you know, tons of yards. Green Bay wins. I don't care. I still don't think Green Bay makes the playoffs. I still think Aaron, shit. I think this is Aaron a long Rogers time. didn't look that good. He didn't I, look bad. He looked better than he nope. has all year. This so is the best he's played noticed. all year. Now, here's what we talked about, though. What have we talked about is Green Bay's biggest problem? They don't run enough. They don't run football. So this week, they ran, now, they ran it. And even down two touchdowns, we have been saying this shit all season long, that if you're yep. Green Bay, if you are Dallas, if you're Tampa, 
if you've got a run game, run the ball. Even when you're down two touchdowns at the end of the third quarter, you can still win the football game when you run the football. Let's give you an idea. Aaron Rodgers threw 20 passes in this game. He threw for three touchdowns, and Christian Watson was great on the on the, the wide receiver side. I mean, it was hey, he actually caught a ball. He caught, yeah, and he caught he made two great catches. Um so Rodgers was 14 of 20. Not great, not terrible. I mean, 70%. Um, three touchdowns, two sacks in the game. But here you go. 39 rushes for Green Bay. They ran Aaron the ball. Jones had 138 yards. Two to one. 20 yeah. passes, 39 rushes. If you run the ball two to one, what's going to happen in the game, Ricardo? Oh, really? With AJ Dillon and Aaron and 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 uh, and uh, Aaron Jones, Aaron Jones had 138 yards. If you, you know what you did? Ball. You controlled the clock. You kept Dak off the field. You owned you owned the field. You owned pace of play in Dallas. You were away and controlled the game. Shocking that they won. And granted, it wasn't overtime because it's still Dallas and Dak and. You know, t- you know Pollard and Zeke and those guys and C.D. Lamb. C.D. Lamb had a good game too. Don't get me wrong. It's it's not like they were. You know, Dak didn't do anything. C.D. Lamb had 150 yards. But when you're running the ball and you're running more than you're passing with this team, you own the clock. You own the pace of play. You own the field. You own the trenches. So it's not really surprising that all of a sudden they showed up. Yeah, you said it just perfectly. You said you control the pace of play. If you run the ball twice as much as you throw it, you control the pace of the game. That's what they did. The Packers did. The Packers are not a better team than the Dallas Cowboys. They're not. They're not. And they didn't let, and I don't think Rodgers is 100%. There is something physically wrong with Aaron Rodgers. He did not, on those 20 passes, he did not look right. He was able to fling a couple of great ones out there, but he didn't look right. But they still won the game because they ran the ball 39 times in this game. And to your point, Dallas has to come out and throw the ball 46 times because they're having to hurry because there's so little time left in spots because of the pace the Packers have put them into. It was I'm walking really down the game. list of all the games. Yeah, I'm walking down the list of all the games this week. And except for the Chicago game, because it was Justin Fields who was the rushing leader in that game, runs for 147 yards. So if your quarterback is your lead rusher, you usually have problems. Yeah. Every single game in which the win, the winning team was the leading rushing team. This, uh, again, this is week in, week out. We look at these numbers, and once again – we're looking at it, and every single team that led in rushing or had the leading rusher and in their running back won the game. Yeah, I mean, if you, Tell you go go take a look at that. Go look for that uh, that piece uh, with like with Dan Orlovsky and Mina Kimes from ESPN. Um, really, really puts a, a shining light on the way the running game is affecting uh, winning right now and how we're playing. You know, as far as. Number of plays, yards per play, and so on. It's a, it's an interesting bit. 
I mean, it's only know, like so football. many teams have the running back by committee. So, like, if you go back to the football from like when we were younger, when we were like, you know, college age, high school age, it was a big deal, sure. a big deal to run for a hundred yards. This past week, I'm looking at it right now as well. This past week, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight players had a hundred rushing yards. Yeah. And you had one of those, the one with the most, well, Saquon Barkley had the most, Jonathan Taylor was second, and then third, Justin Fields, you know, the one quarterback. But that's the, just well, the Bears' offense he, they're doing. I think but, that, you know, if you want to talk Jonathan Taylor, that he's been in absence yeah. for weeks because they haven't yeah. been running the ball in, the, in Indianapolis. And we're going we're gonna to go to that game next. We'll get so to that. We'll get to that. But I wanted to note that Jonathan Taylor really finally showed up. We, You know, he was a yeah. big part of last year's success for the Colts. And finally, you know, his name's in the field. Yeah. And then if you look, so what's the number that everyone looks at at the quarterbacks? They say, well, okay, if you got a 100-yard rusher, you want a 300-yard passer. This week, one, two, two. One won his game, one lost. Mahomes and Davis Mills. Yeah. No. Oh, sorry, it was three. I missed Mahomes. Three. Two, one. Cousins, Mahomes, and Davis Mills lost his game. But even Mahomes, who everyone said, hey, he had this great game, 331 yards. But go pull the Chiefs' stats from this game. He throws 35 times. They rush 27 times. That balance yeah. is important. They, they probably threw a couple times more than they needed to in that game. But their opponent threw the ball 40 times and only rushed it 16 times. Again, you said it earlier. It's controlling the pace of the play. And well, and, and think about it this way. Let's, I mean, We'll go to another example of this when we look at yesterday's or yeah yesterday's game with Washington and Philly. The first half, how much time did Washington have control of possession in the first half? Because I believe the stat was 25 straight minutes of game time that they had the ball on a single drive. It was ridiculous. They finally gave back Philly the ball with like four minutes to go in the second quarter. Like they hadn't touched the ball since the first possession. Washington owned the whole first half. Yeah, I'm it looking was ridiculous. So, so you had the first touchdown by Philly, and then the mm-hmm. long possession for the for Washington. McTizen. Philly gets down quick in the second possession and scores. Another long possession for Washington, a field goal. Another long possession, a touchdown. They turn around and get a quick field goal, that 58-yarder at the half. They control yeah. almost the entire second quarter of the clock. Yeah. Third quarter, almost. same thing. The only ridiculous. scoring was their one field goal. They had possession of the ball the majority of that quarter. And the majority of the fourth quarter. It, yeah, it's the time of possession is – and they say, you know, the team that turns the ball over the most is going to lose. I'm a possession. You're going to give me enough shots. To be, I'm going to score points at you eventually. And I'm going to wear you we, down. We, they basically did the exact same thing we've been talking about. How to beat Patrick Mahomes is to control pace of play and keep him on the sidelines. It's what they did to Jalen Hurts in Philadelphia. They kept the offense on the sideline for forever. Didn't really give them many opportunities to get back into this game. They kept it close till the very end. But the point being 
is that they stayed in it the whole time because they controlled the offense. They controlled the field in, in, in time of possession. Going back to that Dallas game. Credit to them. There is one person I think was really, really happy with the outcome of the Dallas Green Bay game. I think somewhere Sean Payton was lighting a cigar and happy as hell because <laughs> he knows that McCarthy's going to fuck this job up and it's his as soon as they fire Mike McCarthy. I can't believe I, – I still am in shock. After last year, I'm still in shock McCarthy has his job this year. Uh, yeah. And, we're, and, and honestly, you're right. I think we have to start a pool also. When we start talking about coaches and firing, I think we have to start a pool now. Who's, who loses their job first, Josh McDaniels or Nathaniel Hackett? I think it's Josh McDaniels. I don't think Josh McDaniels makes it to the end of the season. Well, I don't think either of them makes it to the end of the season. I'm just curious which oh, one goes first. I think McCarthy's going to make the end of the season. They're going to give McCarthy. Oh, no, no, I mean, oh, no, I think Mc, McCarthy's going to go all the way to the season. I mean between Hackett, Nathaniel Hackett, and McDaniels. This week will tell us a lot about that since Vegas plays that, Denver. They play each other, yeah. yeah. <laughs> this is one of those where it's like, where, I wonder if either of them will get fired after this week. Yeah, who gets fired after the game? Who's going to get Herm Edwards on the field? Um, hey, the last thing I want to bring up as far as this past week was a pretty controversial week for the Indianapolis Colts. The Colts fired Frank Wright, their head coach of the game last week, and hired as an interim coach Jeff Saturday, former center, longtime center, close friend of the owner, um, a guy who is very universally respected on ESPN for the last few years. He was one of the head guys in the Players Association, so he knows these owners having dealt with them in negotiations. He is a well-liked guy all around. But it is so rare to have an interim coach be brought in from outside. And on a staff, we've got two former NFL head coaches on the staff, Gus Bradley and John Fox. A lot was said this week, including, I don't know if you saw on CBS's pregame show, Bill Cower went in on this. I thought Bill Cower was really unfair, to be perfectly frank. Bill Cowher, CBS because I don't. I, I don't either. I don't generally watch it. I saw the replay of it. I saw. The, I got a link on Twitter. I followed it. Um, he called it a travesty. He said that they should have absolutely gone to an assistant coach and not to someone like this. How in his life he had to work for 15 years to get to become a head coach and this and that. And um, he, I, it's weird. It's odd because he just forgets that all of a sudden he was a Super Bowl winning coach and he's qualified to be an announcer. He's horrible. Yeah, as it, hell. It, he's horrible. He's, he's he terrible. No prior On experience. camera, I, it's part of why I don't watch CBS is because, yes, he's a great coach. Why is he on camera? And if he's an analyst, why isn't he commenting on games? Why is he doing it in the pregame show, in yeah. the halftime show there? Why is he not calling the games? And that's, that's kind of where I like, I get it. I get it. He's a Super Bowl winner. He's a legend. He's a Hall of Famer. And quite frankly, he's wrong. I think so. Too. He's wrong to have so, gone that far. We talked but, about this from the point five, Ellen and I did. And I'm of two yeah. minds in the Jeff Saturday hire. One, I don't like bringing an outside guy as an interim coach midway through the season. I do. I understand he's worked as a consultant for the owner. He's familiar yeah. with what's yeah. going on. 
to me, the obvious answer was right there. You had John Fox. This is a guy who took two different teams to a Super Bowl. He took a team with Jake DeLome, the quarterback, to the Super Bowl. You know, I, I get it. That guy's good yeah. enough. Uh, he took the hobbling Peyton Manning to a Super Bowl and won. Yeah. yeah. Um, so I, John Fox would be the guy I would say. And, he, and he's not a coordinator. He is a special assistant to the defensive staff. Like that's basically saying, hey, you're basically hired to be an interim coach. Yeah. This is why a lot of these times you have to have a game plan if you're going to fire a coach. Clearly this was the game plan. The game plan was we're going to bring in Jeff Saturday. Um, oh, yeah, absolutely. And Jeff Saturday's coaching resume was not a lot better than my own. Um, I made this comment on the point well, five. It's his, he's coached, yeah, he's, I heard this was, thank you. This was the thing on the point five ball. I wanted to yell at you about. This is what I wanted to yell about you. Yes, you're absolutely right. Coaching wise, you two are almost equally qualified to do this job. Here's uh-huh. the difference. He played for the Colts. Yes, he and, and Jeff Saturday know, has, <laughs> knows more about football he had a than full I have. 14-year career as a pro. Yeah. And he is an incredibly good, he was a center, which means he knows more about reading the offense and or reading the defense as an offensive lineman. I mean, he's the guy making those line calls. And he worked with Peyton Manning so close for all those years. Yes, I absolutely will concede that. But if you just look at that's different than actually, we talked about this at length. That's different than being the yeah. head coach. The head coach has got to make decisions. Absolutely true. You're calling timeouts. You're not calling plays. <laughs> I mean, I did, but that was different. I mean, it was, you know, it's high school. You can do yeah, that. Yeah, it was high school. But in the NFL, you're not doing that. He's not calling a single no. down play. Well, unless you're, unless you're Nathaniel Hackett, you're not doing that. Yeah. But it, it's, yeah. It, it's horrible that he, that I that I understood. Now I also understood. You bring in someone like Jeff Saturday; he's universally respected. Uh, my understanding, as far as in the locker room, I heard this from Dominic Foxworth on his podcast last week. He's liked by both sides of the locker room. He gets yeah. along with. If you don't understand what I'm meaning, there's two Americas. He gets along, and he yep. is someone who's approachable on both ends. That is rare in yeah. the NFL. Um. And if Jeff Saturday can do that, then that's really good with the guy who can bring a team together. It's just so difficult. Now, having said that, you got to play the Raiders the first week, and the Raiders are an unmitigated disaster. Josh McDaniel should not be a head coach in the NFL. It's, I'm not sure. And that it's he all on be, Josh McDaniel. I'm not sure that he can be a head coach at Veritas Christian School. I am just that guy is like an offensive genius in a way but i think so much of what he did was so well filtered by bill belichick all those years that he's (laughs) for wrestling fans they'll understand this reference josh mcdaniel is vince russo a really smart guy who can who can write some funny good stuff but vince mcmahon's behind him to say hey let's filter some of this that's what belichick did to him and he was a disaster in Denver <laughs> yeah. a decade ago. And he's a disaster now with the Raiders. He's not going to make it next season. He's not going to be there. He's, he's, a, he's essentially Wade Phillips. He's got his head coaching job. He's shown he can't do it, but he's yeah. got football knowledge. He well, deserves to be on staff. He should not be a head coach. Yeah. Now, what I will say about Wade Phillips, I'll defend Wade Phillips a little bit, goddammit, because 
Wayne Phillips is like triple OG. That dude is. Oh no! Don't get me wrong. Respected. Josh McDaniels. Oh, absolutely. Not respected at all. Absolutely. I wouldn't, but I would never hire Wade Phillips as a head coach. I would put him as my DC every day of the yeah. week and twice on Sunday. Was, but I'm not putting him as my HC. He was a good head coach in Buffalo. He was bad in Dallas, but Dallas has had all his problems with coaches. Um, but so, yeah, I just look at it, and I. But I see your point. Your point is saying this is a guy who's a coordinator, and really, he's not even really a coordinator. He's really a QB coach. He's a QB coach who can come up with some great ideas, but we've got to filter those ideas through what's real and what can be done. Josh McDaniels would be a great coach at a non-Power 5 college. He'd yeah, be a that's, fantastic, that's probably more up his line. He'd be a fantastic offensive coordinator at US at UCF or USF or... I'm a Tulane guy, Tulane, um, Houston, something like that. Utah State. I mean, he'd be an incredible guy for one of those kind of programs. Like Lane Agreed. Kiffin, but not but not as smart. Lane Kiffin's actually smarter, I think. Yeah. I just think that Josh McDaniels is just a bad head coach. And he's just awful. He's awful. Jeff, Jeff Saturday outflanked him and, out, and beat him up this past week. And it was pretty clear what they decided to do. They decided to run. Hey, run the football. Run the football. You got Here, Jonathan. And, that's, and this is the kind of thing going to Jeff Saturday, I, I, I'm not in defense of Ursay's decision. But I will. I I understand. I think I understand it yeah. where he's coming from with that. So here's here's how I would explain it. I'm not excusing it. I'm just explaining it. Is that one? Yes, he's had Jeff Saturday in his ear as a consultant for a bit. And and here's what I bet he heard more often than not, week in week out, which rang true for Ursa and it rings true for me, especially when you look at the numbers this week. It's like, where's Jonathan Taylor's runs? Where's Good Jonathan running. Taylor? This year, not not this week, not last week, the entire year, Jonathan Taylor has just been nowhere to be found. And last year, he was a the biggest part of their success before they got rid of Carson Wentz. When they, if they had used Jonathan Taylor instead of Carson Wentz at the end of the game last year, they probably would have beat, you know, uh, they probably would have made the playoffs in, in in beating the Jaguars. But I think what you're here, what what he had is one this. What the talent they have, this is being done wrong. So you're using your talent incorrectly. He's probably what he's hearing week in, week out. And the other side of that argument is, yes, there are qualified coaches on staff who are ready to head coach who have done so. But I think what, if I'm Jim Irsay, here's the, there's two answers to this for Jim Irsay. One is the logistical answer, which is, I want to shake things up. I don't want anyone entrenched in the way the system has been run so far because I'm not satisfied with the way the system has been run so far, especially when you look at a guy like Jonathan Taylor being tragically misused in this offense. So that's my first one. Second one is that he's a billionaire. He doesn't give a shit what anybody thinks. He's worth $3.9 billion Fuck everyone else. The only person, the only people that Jim Ursay listens to is other billionaires. He doesn't give a damn what any of us think. Yeah. That's the end of the day. And in Jim Ursay's, uh, in his defense as well, I'll say is of all the second generation owners in the NFL, 
he might be the best one. There's nothing then, and that's the thing where people because say, "Oh, it's a scandal this and it's Rooney rule this." And no, he didn't. Well, the first thing of yeah. all of this is he broke yeah. no rules. Yeah, Rooney rule does not all apply legit. Toward, yeah, the Rooney rule does not apply toward interim coaches. And, and, and it's a good uh, thing it doesn't. And the the, the other part of this, yes, traditionally when this happens, this they usually take an internal interim coach and promote. And it kind of does, you know, they limp along the rest of the year. But usually when you're doing that, you've already foregone what you're doing. So there's no reason to have to do that. And I believe since the implementation of all of this, this has only happened three times that an internal coach wasn't promoted as interim um, and an outside coach was brought in. So this isn't unprecedented, but it's not exactly a regular occurrence. So people who are talking about this being an end run around the Rooney rule, yeah, yeah it's kind of bullshit. I'm sorry. Yeah. I don't think that was the spirit of what was going on. I don't think it was a, a getting around the Rooney rule whatsoever. I think that it, yeah. that's something you can point out and say, but I don't think that was even a It's been said a number of times, yeah. It's yeah. been said. I, I had heard that, I, too. I don't agree with it. Yeah. I, again, I'm of two minds, and I can be swayed either way on whether this is a good hire or a bad hire. Um, I think personally, I don't like the idea of the interim coach not being in-house. But I also understand it, you know, maybe he's like you said, I like the good point. Shake things up. Jim Irsay is also someone that, you know, his his father was the owner of the team. And Jim Irsay, when he came up, the football business was his business. His primary business as a billionaire has been running the Colts. He has run the Colts since his father, he took over for his father, even before his father's death. Um, he has other businesses, and but he is not as hands-on with them as he is with the Colts. Um, good or bad, that's you know that's it's his prerogative. You know, it's the same thing as a Jerry Jones or yeah. you know an Al Davis back in the day. Whatever you want to say, but I think you're right about a lot of things here. And I, I think that the Jeff Saturday thing you're also right on is, I think he was saying Jonathan Taylor needs the ball. I'll, I'll give you an example. I got his I got his game log up here for the season. I think we'll agree, first off, before we even get into these stats, Jonathan Taylor is either the best or second best running back in the league, right? Oh, yeah. We we were up there with him last year with yeah. King Henry. Him and Derrick Henry. He was massive. Yeah, him and Derrick Henry. Last year, he had a better season. Derrick Henry's hurt a lot of the season. But if you were going to choose sides and you pick running backs, you would choose Derrick Henry or Jonathan Taylor either first. Or oh, second. that's one, too. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Based on last year, absolutely one two. Without you know, before Derrick Henry gets hurt, they're one and two. Yeah. No question. Absolutely. Yeah. And people will argue McCaffrey, and I, I can get that, but it's again, we're not just a pure runners, pure runners. Yeah. So week one this year, the game the Colts tied with the Texans. Taylor had 31 carries for 161 yards, by far his most carries and most yards of the year. The next week, yeah. they lose to Jacksonville, 24 nothing, nine carries, 54 yards. Still average six yards a carry. The following week, a win against Kansas City. Don't forget this Colts team beat the Chiefs. 21 carries, 71 yards. He also caught three balls in that game. Yeah. Not disrespectful, 21 carries. The next week, they lose to Tennessee, one of those games where everyone runs the ball, 20 carries, 
42 yards. So we're seeing the productivity, the carries were there. They were still down quite a bit in week one. And week two, they got so far behind the Jacksonville, they just abandoned the run. The next two weeks, he gets back up to 20 carries, but they're not efficient carries and not able to break any yardage. Then losses at Tennessee, 10 carries. It's 58 yards. Loss against Washington, 16 carries, 76 yards. Jeff Saturday comes in, 22 carries, 147 yards and a touchdown. Here's the other thing that I, that I saw out of last week is that you, they simplified the playbook. Yeah. You, saw that, you saw Dallas do this with Cooper Rush and had success with Dak out with Cooper Rush by simply simplifying the playbook for the talent that you have. Well, and I saw that for, for what they were doing because I believe they put Matt Ryan back in, and it was mm-hmm. successful. Yeah. They didn't uh, try to do too much with Matt Ryan, and they ran the ball through Taylor. That's the kind of balance this team needs. Yeah. 30 carries overall, 22 of them for Taylor, uh, 28 passes in the game for Ryan. He went 21 of 28 and a touchdown, no interceptions, second one time. Yes, it's clear that what happened was Jeff Saturday walked into the offensive room and said, all right, here's what we're going to do. One, Matt Ryan gives us a better chance to win than – I forget who the other quarterback was. The, who cares? <laughs> yeah. It, oh, God. I'll pull it up real quick here. Um, but it was, yeah, pretty bad. I mean, let me get this. I'm going to, because now it's, now it's messing with me. Sam Ellinger. Yeah. Yeah. Former, That's former it. Texas Whatever. great Sam Ellinger. Um, Sam Ellinger has no <laughs> business being a starting quarterback in the NFL. But Jeff Saturday clearly went in and said, guys, we've got a former MVP. We're going to make it easy on him. We're going to tell him not to turn the ball over which is hard enough. (laughs) (laughs) Hey, he didn't turn the ball over. (laughs) We're going to tell him, don't turn the ball over. And, oh, by the way, something you never had in Atlanta, I got this fucking hoss back here that we're going to hand the ball 22 times to. Shocking. Uh, Yeah. 22 for a 147. Uh, Shocking. Look, they're playing playing the Eagles this week. The Colts aren't going to beat the Eagles. Oh, but it, but they keep this game close. You watch what'll happen. It'll be, it'll be Matt Ryan's throws will be on play action on second down. He won't turn the ball over, and Taylor's going to run the ball twenty five times. They don't, you know, the rest of their schedule is not easy. I think the the easiest games no. they have are the Steelers, the Chargers, and the Texans. Yeah, I see got... three easy games because you got Eagles, Steelers, then you got Cowboys, Vikings back to back. Those are not easy games. Chargers, and then you have the Giants who've been playing real. I think they're what are they six and two? Six and two. Yeah. I can't. I don't remember. I don't remember their. They they're seven? doing well. They're doing well. They're, they're seven, right there on the top of the seven, NFC eight. East with the with seven one. So they're right up there at the top with the Cowboys of the NFC East who are playing. You know, they're all three all up there. In the NFC East, it's the only only the Commanders are sitting there back there at what four four five and five four and four no four and four four or five I, and four now. I commanders, think. commanders. But either way, it's again uh, the entire NFC East that no one has a losing record. Those are all difficult games, especially divisional games. They don't have an easy road the rest of the year for the Colts, but I still think that there's a game plan in there they can implement that will have some success. 
Now, I'm not saying that Jeff Saturday deserves to have the head coaching job permanently or next year, nothing like that. This is just about what are you going to do this year? Yeah, and I, I think that he is totally going to not be the head. There's no way he's the head coach next year. No, no, next, no. no he's, and he he's, knows that. This is, this is his. He, he even said in the press conferences, like, this isn't about me being a head coach again. If they, hey, if I have success, great. And if he wins some of these bigger games, if he beats the Eagles next week, this conversation changes a little bit. Yeah. If they I beat the, if he, the Eagles, the Cowboys, and the Vikings, this conversation changes a lot. Yeah. You know who Jeff Saturday reminds know. me of? He reminds yeah. me of Ed Ogeron. Uh, without the scandals. Well, yeah, but he reminds me of Ed Ogeron. Ed Ogeron was terrible as a head coach in Mississippi. He was horrible at Ole Miss. He then jumped around a couple places as assistant coaches. He was an interim coach three times. And all three times, his teams were fucking outstanding. And he ended up getting the LSU job because of it. And it was – that's what I think Jeff Saturday could be here – I don't think he's going to get the job, but he's going to keep that team together. It seems like he's got a good attitude. He's going to go in there and make it about those players and bring them together. Um, I'm looking at the standings right now, the playoff standings. And again, this is all going to mm-hmm. change. It's, you have so many teams within just three games of each other right now. Um, we're, we're, we're in week 10. Yeah, we still now. have eight weeks left of football. Left. There's still in plenty the of football. AFC, the Chiefs are now the new number one seed. The Dolphins are now the two seed. Uh, so the Chiefs would get the one by. And you'd have Dolphins. The Titans are now the three seed. Three weeks ago, we were like the Titans were dead in the water. And they go and win a couple of games. The mm-hmm. Ravens are six and three. They're the leader in their division right now. The Jets are six and three. Buffalo is six and three. The Patriots are five and four. So let's get this right. As of right now, Chiefs, Titans. And the Ravens are three of the four playoff teams. They're the three division champions. And then the entire NFC or AFC East is in. Yeah. Yeah. Starting so with go do it. These teams are playing each other since. So, yeah, because, like, I mean, and then a game I, back in really New England's tied with the Chargers and the Bengals, but they own tiebreakers because of – strength of schedule and a couple other things that again in eight weeks is going to be different. So we still have plenty of time, but if you go to that last playoff spot at five and four, you actually have nine teams there with the Colts only a half a game back of that. The NFC is interesting as well. Eagles and the Vikings are now eight and one. Now the Eagles are still the number one seed based on the head to head win percentage. Uh, yeah. The Vikings are the two seed. Seattle's currently leading the West. Tampa is leading the South. Then you have the Giants, the Cowboys, the 49ers, the Commandos. I'm sorry, 17. So the, the 49ers, the last team. So we have the three division winners. And then we have two teams from the NFC East getting wild cards and then the 49ers. So, and then you have the Commandos a half a game back, the Packers, Falcons, and Cardinals a game and a half back. There is a lot yeah. of work to be done by some of these teams. The Packers, you got to yes. think, I mean, 
they got some work to do. Yeah, I'm looking at their schedule. They got Tennessee, then Philly, the Bears, who you know are are not that great, but Justin Fields playing better. Uh huh. Rams, the Dolphins. Who, if anyone's overlooking the Dolphins now, you have not been watching football. And then the Vikings and that means in and Miami. The, the Pack. Yeah, and that's and yeah, that's in Miami. So Miami doesn't have to play in the cold. This the, the Packers path is not easy. I am not betting on them to make the playoffs. I'm, I don't care what this last week did. This doesn't look easy for them, and I think this week is an aberration. It's a one-off. I don't care. Even if they start playing well, the Eagles, the Dolphins, the Vikings, these are not easy teams to beat on your good day. Period. Yeah, the Pack- Packers so I don't hold a lot of hope for them. The Packers cannot catch the Vikings. I mean, they are, they are five. No, they can't catch it. No. With seven to play. Now, their best record, if they win out, they're 11 and six. That's yeah. if they win out, and I don't think they will. And you would need the I Vikings think to lose probably, five yeah, yeah, I think they're more like eight, yeah. probably eight and nine, nine and eight, right in that range. Yeah. I don't think they, they don't make the playoffs. You've got to win 10 games to get in now. With the, with the 17 game schedule now, you've got to win 10 games. Well, you, you, they have to win seven games. They're only four and six, so you have to win yeah. seven straight to get to 11 and six. Yeah. Yeah, the Packers are going to six out of seven. Uh, the other one I was thinking about I wanted to talk about was the Rams. The Rams are three and six currently. Nine games in. Yeah. They have eight to go. Again, you're looking at you got to win seven out of eight to have a chance. And they've been bad. And if you toss in there who they have to play, just it, now they have this. They have an easy, and, I, and, I, and I, my condolences here. They do have an easier game with the Saints this week. Then you have the Chiefs and the Seahawks. Okay. And you have to play the Seahawks twice still this year, yeah. if you're the Rams and the Chiefs, just to get Arrowhead. past that point. Yeah, they've got to. What they're going to have to do if the Rams are going to try to get back in the playoffs. I mean, it goes without saying they got to beat the Saints this week. They got to go to Arrowhead and win. They got to win both games against Seattle. And they're going to have to beat the rest the of them are beatable. The next hard game is the Packers, yeah, if they play well, but the rest of them are beatable games, yeah. Yeah. I just, I wonder about the, but that's the Chargers. They play the Chargers on New Year's Day, and I wonder about that because. I wonder if, as the Chargers get healthy, how they'll improve. Because all their wide receivers are out right now. And if they get a couple of them, and they got one that's out for the season. If they got two others, they should get back near the end of the season. And then the yeah. balance of the whole thing is going to get thrown off, as we know that Odell Beckham has said he's making his decision in the next two weeks. Making his decision yeah, he's in the by, by the end of November. By the end of November, it would be over. He would know what he's doing. You got a prediction on that? No, I don't. I don't really care. At this point, I don't care. I, I, I understand I, the influence he can have on the game and how he can help a team, but I'm kind of, you know, he's only going to go to a team that has a chance. Yeah, so and there's the thing. There's he's, not gonna, he's, not coming to, he's not going back to the Rams. He's not no. going to the Chargers. No. So wherever he's going, he's just supplementing something that's already in play of something we think can be done anyway with no. Otto. That's all he's doing. 
Let me ask Getting a quick payday check. He doesn't have to, and he doesn't have to risk himself for a full season length worth of yeah, injuries. Because no one's giving him a multi-year deal now until he plays again and he has some some tread on the tires now because that's like an ACL. Yeah. Um if Odell Beckham were to sign with the Kansas City Chiefs, is it game over? No. I'm gonna no, say for this. the same reasons that for the same reasons that I can that I can say the Chiefs are beatable if you control the clock, control place of play, and play decent defense. Same thing with Odell. Without Odell, your game plan is to control Mahomes. Yeah, not to control or block or, or, or defend OBJ. You have to do those things, yes. But if you're going to beat the Chiefs, you're not you're not containing OBJ because you still got Kelsey. You still got Mahomes throwing to seven different receivers so i don't really care if he goes to kansas city that doesn't change the landscape for me in kansas city success it just gives them a little edge i I will say this i think if the chiefs were to get hotel beckham it would make them a huge favorite in my view i don't know how an offense could stop an offense of patrick mahomes odell beckham and and travis kelsey no i i and, and I'll tell you the other thing about you it. Could, you can't stop them. It's contained. Yeah. And I'll That's tell you who's played. You don't contain. you got to contain. And he's not getting talked about as well as the others. I'll tell you who's played so well for the Chiefs. Juju Smith-Schuster. Um, it's funny. Every week, if you watch a Chiefs game, every week, the name Tyreek Hill gets brought up. Every week. Oh, my God. I wish and they'd shut up about it. Look, they don't, they don't miss him at all. And I'll tell you why. They don't miss him because Juju Smith-Schuster is a better receiver. Tyreek Hill I is think he's faster. Not a, Hear me out. He's fast. Tyreek is faster, but I Tyreke think Juju Hill is, is faster. He will get down the field in your ass. Yes. But if you look, what's happened in the last few games, teams are now doubling Kelsey again. And what they've done with Schuster, they could never do with Tyreek. And that's that Juju Smith-Schuster is a big man. He's almost a tight end big. And he's got great hands, and you can put him in space. He's getting to where he's he is. He's escapable. All, all, yes. Yeah. And, and that's where he's getting comfortable with Mahomes. And he's getting a couple of these passes where it's not, hey, we're going to rub this rub route or this combo route to get you open. Hey, what I want you to do is to go up and we're going to draw the safety off with, with Kelsey's route. You just dig in right here. And that's what they do. And it's some yeah. schoolyard shit, but it's some organized schoolyard shit. Um, and it's because he, he's almost as big as a tight end. He's tall. I mean, he's like six, four, six, five. He's got great hands. And again, he's not near the deep threat. That that no, that but very killers. But a, a deep threat is the most overrated thing in the history of the NFL. Look, there was no better deep threat in the NFL in history than Randy Moss was. But what was Randy Moss the best at? Just get him the ball. Just put the ball in his hands, and he'll figure out where to go. And he'll win I'd rather ball. have oh, yeah. a big guy with strong hands and who can get open in space. Because I can only throw one or two of those deep balls. And, I, and I'm not even guaranteeing that Tyreek Hill can catch the damn thing every time. So 
I think Juju Smith-Schuster's been a great pickup for the Chiefs. Um, I think that what there's obviously he and Mahomes are gelling. And I got to tell you, if they were to get Odell Beckham, I don't think they will. I I think Odell Beckham is going to end up either with the Dallas Cowboys or the Buffalo Bills. I think he'd be a huge pickup for the Dallas Cowboys. He would be, that would be a big deal. That would you, be, then you have a, then you have someone across a true someone across from CD lamb. Yeah. Yeah. And, and then you could, and, and then they've got, I mean, and what they could do with Dak and the run game. And then if you get, um, um, Ezekiel Elliott healthy, then he'll be fine. They didn't have Zeke this week. I'm convinced at this point that this year Pollard is a better runner. Uh, I'm kind of I, done I, with Zeke at this point. I, I personally think that runners. going forward, Pollard is the better runner. They are well, different runners, but I think Pollard is the better runner. He's the more efficient yeah. runner. Yeah. I think if you look at the stats, and I've seen this before, people have said that. When Ezekiel Elliott's in the game, it's generally on rundowns. So you have an extra guy in the box. You have seven in the box. Generally, when Pollard gets carries, this this past week aside, when Pollard got the majority of the carries, um, yeah, you know, because it was different against the Packers this week, but because Zeke, Zeke was out, but the majority of the time when Pollard's getting carries, it's a third and long, a six man box, five blockers and six guys. You can usually leave one or two unblocked. He can usually get you an extra few yards. Um, a lot of the screen game, they run with Pollard. He's better at following blocks in a wider open situation. I agree with a lot of what you're saying, yeah. but yeah. you need Ezekiel Elliott because eventually you need third and one. You know, yeah. third and one, no, I'm not handing the ball out. I'm handing Zeke it to that. Is the, the pounding back. Now, my, my whole argument against Ezekiel Elliott has been and I think Hard Knocks showed this last year, he still behaves like a child. If it's funny, you watch like he's... Yeah, it, I saw that too. Very, I, I, that doesn't bother me as much as in, it is that I think he's overpaid. Well, I think that Ezekiel Elliott, if you look, um, Ezekiel Elliott and Saquon Barkley are very similar in style and in performance coming up to this season. And I think if you look, one of the biggest differences is, I, don't, I think Zeke's a little banged up. I mean, obviously he didn't play this past week. But I think yeah. a lot of it is also, I don't think he's maturing as a player. And if you look, flip over to the Giants' side with Saquon Barkley, Saquon Barkley's having low-key, a fucking fantastic season. I mean, he's in oh, the he MVP absolutely. race. Absolutely. Oh, yeah. He, for he's running in the back, MVP yeah. race as a running back right now. And a comeback player. Uh-huh. He was injured. I mean, it's... I call him a comeback player. Week, he had 35 carries for 152 and a touchdown. Oh, yeah, um, he had a great week. He had a yeah. great week. For the season, Saquon Barkley is sitting at 198 attempts. That is second in the league. He's first in yards, 931. He's seventh in touchdowns. He's only got six touchdowns. He averages 4.7 yards a carry. Um, but he's just, he's been that dude. And 
he's the biggest reason the Giants are seven and two. He's truly their best yeah, player. He's a big part of that. And I, I we were talking, Tyler Jones and I were talking about this past week, and he was like, Well, who do you think would be an MVP right now? That I think a lot of it, because we always look week to week, it's like a horse race. We're looking week to week now. We go, okay, well, Allen didn't play well, and Hurts didn't play well. Mahomes did. So is Mahomes number one now? You know, you got Allen had two bad games in a row, and Jalen had a bad game. Tua has moved up. Dude, I'll take this guy. They keep if I'm talking MVP, to me, the guy who has answered the questions of am I the guy? And yes, we were talking about earlier, we say, you know, if you're not that dude, if it's not, you know, Mahomes yeah. or Josh Allen or something, there's a part of me that started to transition in that. Tua might be that dude. Tua is. He hasn't tough. had to yet. He's got a lot of weapons. He's he's stacked. They got a. I mean, their their whole team is well balanced across the board. They got plenty they got of stacked talent. Off. But there's a part of me that that's saying, well, he's he's you know there are other teams that have a lot of talent, and I, yes, I will put my Ford the you know Garoppolo up there with the 49ers. Garoppolo's not Tua. Tua might be that dude we just don't know if he's that dude well, yet but he's there's certainly that question hasn't been answered but it has certainly not been ruled out either he hasn't had to so i'm curious when they ever get into that situation especially getting the later part of the year in the playoffs can he show himself to be that dude i don't know yeah but right now he's answered every question of all the doubters in the preseason as right. to can he be the guy that they need with this talent can he have success I think they've answered that question. Now the question becomes, can he be that dude? We, we know that Dak has had those situations and has not shown up. He's, and his playoff record proves that. He has, Tua hasn't been tested to be that dude yet, so I don't know if he is or not. And I'm kind of on the fence. I, you know, he might be. Well, I'll he say this. Coming into the season, Tua, coming into the season, there was two guys, Tua and – and uh, Jalen Hurts. Jalen Hurts. Yeah. They had to have outstanding seasons because if not, they weren't going to be the quarterbacks next year. And I think both of them have proved beyond a shadow of a doubt they should both get extensions and both be the franchise guy. Tua has played the incredibly well. I think that Jalen played, I think even this past week they lost the game. He still played well. Jalen Hurts has improved literally every single season of his career. Jalen Hurts in three years is going to look like Joe Montana. He's looking good. I mean, he's never going to be the guy that's just going to go out there and fling it for 400 yards. You're not going to – he's not going to do what Joe Burrow does. Joe Burrow can go out there, and he literally done it twice this year, over 400 yards. But you don't need that if you're Miami. Unfortunately, the Bengals need that. The Bengals are behind the curve yeah. now, and and it's yeah. going to hurt them. Yeah, if you look, I mean, I'm I'm looking at this MVP thing right now, and I'm going, okay, I like Mahomes, I like Allen, and I like Hurts, and their teams all win. Now Buffalo's lost two in a row, but man, I don't think you can deny what Saquon Barkley's doing. I think that he has been incredible, and agree, he's been very good this season. 
Yeah, you can't deny I, it, but it's just so much harder to get that MVP if you're not a quarterback. I agree. I, yeah, I, I, like Derrick Henry enough. should have won it a couple seasons ago, and he did. Oh, um, absolutely. I, oh, I it's going to be a quarterback. Yeah. And look, right now, if the Chiefs go out there and they keep this pace up and they're seven and two, so they got what? I think it's leaves them with eight games to go. If they go six and two over those last eight games, Mahomes is going to win the MVP. Very likely, very likely. But the only I, way it doesn't happen is if the Eagles go sixteen and one. And I still don't think. Yeah, that's gonna, it, it, I think the Eagles are going to drop game. Yeah, I, and so I do think it's hard. I do find it funny the one quarterback we're not talking about, and unless we've already discussed him earlier, was the Kirk Cousins thing. We just none of us trust <laughs> Kirk Cousins. Even at eight and one, do you trust Kirk Cousins? I wanted to ask you. I asked you this question, but you didn't answer before we came on. Okay. All right. Your guy, Jimmy Garoppolo, if you're the coach of the 49ers, and I, and I came to you and said, Coach Jared Bellini, I will take Jimmy Garoppolo off your hands, and I will give you Kirk Cousins. No. You're no. going to stick, I, stick with Garoppolo. I, I, would, I would stick with Garoppolo. His numbers are better. And at least when he blinks and throws, he's facing the right goddamn direction. You know, that's, that's, there were, I watched that game, you know, end to end, and I, it did not convince me on Kirk Cousins. It just didn't. Well, you know, I still see him as a suspect piece of that team. Yeah. I I don't disagree. He does make those mistakes. Garoppolo isn't going to, isn't going to, isn't the, isn't, isn't even a Tua. But he's not going to make the mistakes that Kirk Cousins has made. Yeah. I think that you're, you're partially right. Like, if I had to make the decision, I would rather have Kirk Cousins. Now, that's not saying much because I don't think much of both these two guys. And I think that you are right that this past week, Kirk Cousins didn't show us that he can be the guy going down to field. Because who's everybody talking about? on the Vikings offense right now. Justin Jefferson. Justin Jefferson. And Dalvin yeah. Cook. Yeah, and, and Dalvin Cook's had a great season. Yeah, I mean, Dalvin Cook's sitting at 727 yards. He's averaging five yards a carry. No no oh. one's going up to Minnesota and saying, let's put it in Kirk Cousins' hands and get the win the game. No, it's yeah. get it to Justin Jefferson or Justin. run it with Dalvin Cook. That's what they're doing. And, they're, and granted, in fairness, they are saying very much the same thing in San Francisco. Get it to, your, to, to CMC or Elijah Mitchell, throw it to Ayuk, get it to Kettle. You you know, know. Yes, it's the same thing. But my argument against Kirk Cousins and for Garoppolo is Garoppolo makes less mistakes in that, in that mission of getting it to these guys, he does it better. Not a ton better. It's not. It's not Tua better. It's not Josh Allen better. But it's better than Kirk Cousins. He does that job better than he than Kirk Cousins does. All right. Well, brother man, with that, we're gonna wrap this thing up here. So, uh, coming up this week, there is conversation as always. Yeah. Last question I have for you: Is there a game on the schedule this coming week that you think we got to get to? There's something we have to watch for week week eleven. I didn't see anything this week that I was like, oh my god, that's gonna be good. I'm interested to see Tennessee and Green Bay uh, on Thursday, only because I want to see what Green Bay does in the week after. Do they have anything beyond this? Especially against a team like Tennessee, where you do have a Henry who's going to run the ball. They're going to 
They're going to work to control pace. Is Green Bay going to come back out and go back to what they have been doing with, you know, Rodgers through the air? Or are they going to actually stick to their run game like they should? So that that one jumps out to me. Um, same with Philly, Indianapolis, only because Philly's had a loss. I want to see how they rebound. I'm curious how that goes. Uh, really not much else jumps out at me. Dallas, Minnesota, I think is interesting because they're both good teams. Minnesota as well. Um, this is a good test for Dallas, honestly. Yeah. This is really a good test for Dallas to see if they can overcome. Yeah. yeah. I think the most interesting game to me is that Dallas, Minnesota game. To see how Mike McCarthy's going to give that game to the Vikings like he did last week to the Packers. And then I think low-key a good <laughs> game I want to see is the Jets at New England. I want to see what New England's got coming off a bye for the Jets. The Jets have just outplayed yeah. everything. And and Belichick usually has some ideas. It's going to be cold. It might even snow up that way this week this weekend. It'll be interesting. Yeah, but they're both cold weather teams, so it doesn't yeah. bother me. That I, I it's interesting to see if it does snow and something happens, but I'm not I don't think that gives an edge to anybody, but it would be interesting. Yeah. It'll be we'll know more about the Jets to see if they're legit. If they can go out there and handle the Patriots, because they're a more talented team than the Patriots, I think. So. And I think the Patriots are kind of at a crossroads. Like they could go either way at this point midseason. Yeah. They they have an opportunity to elevate themselves and go and make a playoff run, but they could also fall apart just as easily. They're kind of in that that weird middle zone where we don't know. We still don't know which direction they're trending. If that makes yeah. sense. Yeah. Well, we want to thank uh, Caesar Sportsbook for sponsoring the podcast today. Don't forget, if you use the link in the show notes, you can get up to $1,000 in free bets with your first loss. If you have a loss in your first big bet, they'll cover you for 1000 bucks. You'll also get an extra bonus for using our link and getting a little deposit bonus there as well. We appreciate you supporting that. And we appreciate Caesars for sponsoring the podcast. Um, Uncle Rico, thanks for coming in today, brother. I appreciate you. Always good to have you. Thanks for doing this on Always Tuesday. Yeah. So doing this on a Tuesday instead of a Monday and, and delaying watching the Kansas game. That's big time. Yeah, I appreciate it. Thanks so I'm much. Cool. All right. And we also want to shout out Tyler Jones, everybody at Studio Soapbox for all you do behind the scenes. Most importantly, thank you to you, the listener. We appreciate every five-star review, whether it's Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify. Anywhere you get your podcast, like I said, we appreciate it every Friday. Until the point five on Friday, I'm Coach Bo Brian O'Connor. Have a great week, and remember your time tokens are non-refundable. Take care.